Welcome to episode 11 of the Construction Revolution podcast. My guest this week is Joanna May, who is a meditation teacher and keynote speaker. Joanna is from the construction industry. Her last role before leaving was a commercial director for a concrete frame and groundworking subcontractor. Prior to leaving the industry, Joanna studied meditation to become a top performer, a common trait that high achievers in business globally have. In 2016, Joanna was horrified to hear about the high suicide rates of men between 18 and 35 in our industry and decided to leave her job to teach meditation. In this episode, we hear about her experiences teaching meditation to the industry, the impact it is having now on her clients amidst the coronavirus crisis and how we as an industry need to show up for our people. Hello and welcome to The Construction Revolution, the podcast that's leading the charge for change in the construction industry. I'm Maria Coulter, the construction coach, and I'm on a mission to bring positive lasting change. As an industry, we're crying out for greater profit margins, cash that actually flows, a more diverse and inclusive culture. We need companies to value themselves and their people. We need greater leadership. We need teams that trust each other and less stress. Oh, and we also have the small matter of the skills gap to solve as well. During this podcast series, I'm going to be talking to pioneers from within our industry who are doing things differently to solve these issues. I'm also going to be bringing you fresh ideas and perspectives from outside of the industry to inspire and guide you in bringing about some much needed change. As Henry Ford said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. It's time for a revolution. Are you ready to join me? Joanna May, welcome to the Construction Revolution. Thank you. Great to be here. What I love about you, I remember seeing you at UK Construction Week a couple of years ago and last year as well. I love the fact when I walked into the Excel Arena last year at uh, UK Construction Week that you were in the foyer with mm-hmm. people doing a meditation with sort of people around you and you're on a mission to bring meditation to construction, but also to reframe the concept of meditation and and talk about why it's so important and and I know it's just about breaking down the barriers of of what meditation is and and how you actually do it. We're in uncertain times right now so I thought it was perfect to reach out to you to do this podcast today but I wonder if we could start with just finding out a little bit more about you and how you got into meditation and about your background. Sure. So I am a meditation teacher. I specifically work with construction companies. So I do work with other companies like tech and financial, but 70% of my client base is construction. And that is very much something that I have targeted because I am from a construction background. So I started off in the industry um, many years ago with work experience on a building site for Kelpray. And so I was there counting muckaway tickets, weighing up rebar schedules, you know, um, a fax machine was a thing at the time. So it was um, a very different environment. You could still smoke in your cabin. They struggled to find PPE for someone as small as me because I got told they didn't make PPE for children, you know, so it was a different world, but I loved it. And um, I've never kind of left. So I started off uh, on site. And I was there as work experience engineering student. And then I came back to Calpray and got poached and went to the dark side. So I was commercial and did kind of surveying, quantity surveying. 
and just over the space of a decade I kind of did different work with different companies always groundworks and frame and eventually in 2016 I was the commercial director for an RC frame and groundworks company and I also sat on the board of construct of yeah constructs which is a trade association for concrete structures and at this award ceremony in October 2016 I heard the chairman of the board give his speech and he said the biggest killer of young men ages 18 to 35 is suicide and construction accounts for a large proportion of that and to cut a really long story short I was re I was really shocked by that and anyone listening to this podcast now that's not a sh shocking statistic which is a real shame because it it should be but it's more common knowledge but at that time that was the first time I'd ever heard it and I went around on that night and asked everyone what are we doing about it and they said oh well we're sponsoring the Lighthouse Club which is a fantastic charity and they're going to set up helplines and you know give resources so people who are feeling on the brink then they can call them up and um I went around to my clients I was saying have you heard about this statistic what are you doing what do you know is happening and this was a different world I know 2016 doesn't seem like a long time ago but you know building mental health mental health first aid mates in mind these things didn't exist then they weren't even spoken about and then we started to speak about mental health first aid and I just found that it was really great that we were trying to do things but I was wondering why it was that we were waiting for people to get to a point where they needed to reach out for these resources. Why weren't we trying to stop it a little bit beforehand? And I liken it to if you had an issue with eye, eye injuries on site and the way that you were thinking about dealing with it was to train every manager how to use an eye wash station and put an eye wash station on every site. Whereas I was kind of standing there in the background saying, give them eye protection. And so after two weeks, of hearing that statistic. I didn't hear that anyone was doing anything other than reactive means. And so I handed in my notice and that was it. And um, I basically, my, my aim was never to prevent suicide in construction. My aim was to increase better mental health within construction. So to actively improve mental health in construction, which then would lead to less suicides and less poor states of mind. Um, and after about a year and having no one in construction want to talk to me about the things that I wanted to talk about, such as, you know, meditation and looking at, at well-being from a different way, I luckily got invited in to see Morgan Sindel to do a workshop with them. And I'm a qualified yoga teacher as well. I don't teach yoga, but I, I understand the benefits for it. I'm very science-based and I went in on their mental health awareness week and gave a talk on the benefits of yoga and meditation. And I thought I'll never ever get this chance again to speak to a construction company. Uh, so I handed out feedback forms and it was interesting because two of the questions were, what did you like about this session? And what is the thing that you want to learn more about to do with wellbeing? And the first question came back 50-50. Some of them liked the yoga, some of them liked the meditation, but 100% of all of the feedback when it said, what do you want to learn more about? It was meditation. And that was when it gave me the focus to just say, right, that's what I'm going to do. It's what people want, even though I didn't think that they would be open to it. And that's how I came to do meditation in construction. So when did you first get into meditation and, and how did that help you on a personal level? So I came to meditation, not because of my mental health, not because I was concerned about that, not because I wanted to increase my well-being. I came to meditation because 
I had read that all of the top performers in the world did meditation. And, you know, I always talk about Tim Ferriss and he's got a book called Tools of Titans where he interviewed uh, lots and lots of people from Oscar winners to um, billionaires, owners of companies and pro athletes. And 90% of them all said that they had a consistent daily meditation practice. And so that's what I saw people doing who were successful and for me I always wanted to be the best version of myself every day like every day just show up being the fullest best version of myself and be able to serve my company my team and lead in that way and so I sought out someone who specialized in working with executives and CEOs of business and I left the country and learned how to meditate and that was probably back in 2016 as well so the beginning of 2016 but bearing in mind that I, you know, I had looked after my mental health in different ways as well, that I didn't even realize it's only you connect the dots looking backwards and you realize the things that you did in order to get out or have a life that left you in quite a strong, strong position. Um, and so I started to do the meditation back then. I left the country, learned with a specific teacher who worked with elite performers and yeah, I just found such great benefits to it. And when I asked her on the second day of the training, why is it that meditation is advocated by so many people? Why does it increase performance? She explained it to me as, you know, it's like your brain is a computer. And every time we launch into fight or flight, which we do many times now, because it's a maladaptive response, we're not launching into fight or flight because a saber tooth tiger jumps out in front of us. We're doing it because we've got a bad email or we've got issues at home or we're worried about paying the bills or everyone I think at this moment in time would be worried about Corona. That is definitely something high on people's thought and in their speech every day. And so every time we launch into fight or flight, it opens up a window. Whereas when we were hunters and gatherers, these open windows would get shut down because either you would fight or you would flee. So you would burn off some of those stress chemicals like adrenaline and cortisol that rush and flood your body once you launch into fight or flight. But now that our, our environments are so different, but our bodies are still very similar, we launch into fight or flight for, as I said, horrible emails or financial instability. And instead of closing these windows down, because we're not going for a run every time we open a window, what we're doing is we're minimizing them. And over years, we're minimizing them and minimizing them. And by the time we're 20, we've got millions of these open windows. And what the meditation practice that I practice and I teach does is it not only closes the windows that are open from our everyday stresses, it starts to work on the historic stresses as well. And that is what helps you be a better performer because you start to get back to the full capacity of what your computer is capable of because if you try to open up a computer now and opened up millions of windows and then try to do your work it would be very clunky and it wouldn't work very smoothly and so through this tool of meditation it helps you be a better performer but also by doing that it has all of these other fantastic you know benefits such as better quality of sleep you know people a lot of people who are in constant levels of fight or flight they've got issues with their digestive system so ibs it's helps with the immune function and all of these things that when you're not in a constant state of fight or flight or just your body is not flooded with these acidic things like cortisol you can just function a lot better that's amazing i mean it's i've been you know doing meditating for quite a lot of years but i've never heard of that I've never sort of heard that connection between 
the fight or flight and having all those windows open and things like that I mean you know I, I sort of got into meditation because I got into like Reiki and you know alternative therapies and things like that and and I do find that um like when I meditate if I'm stressed like if I meditate and sort of bring that sort of level down it makes such a difference and what sort of difference have you seen with the people that you've worked with in the construction industry um since you've been sort of teaching meditation practice to them the type of meditation that i teach is very specific it's a mantra based meditation so the majority of people um they will be familiar with things like uh, guided visualizations or headspace apps like that and that's not the type of meditation that i teach and it's just it's really interesting because as you said if you're in a stressed out situation you'll do a bit of meditation you'll feel better in the moment so the type of meditation that i teach is a daily practice and it's not the it's not the headache pill as people would reach for mindfulness often it is the vitamin you do it every day and it helps give you a trait change as opposed to a state change and when we went into lockdown that was a really emotional week for me because a couple of my clients who aren't construction they are front-facing and customer service. So one of them is a physiotherapist. As soon as Boris Johnson announced that non-essential travel was really um, discouraged, everyone, I went in to see them on the Tuesday, everyone had canceled their appointments. And so the physiotherapist was like, oh my goodness, you know, what, what are we going to do? And so I spent a lot of time like speaking to their clients, trying to move them online. So that took up a lot of capacity. The other company that I work for as well on a regular basis is a restaurant. And I'm hugely emotionally invested in this restaurant because what not a lot of people know is when I left the industry, the construction industry and took time out and tried to think about what it was that I wanted to do, I didn't take another job. So I didn't go off and went off and worked for a different construction company. I wanted my days free so I could think about what it was that I was gonna do, but I still needed to bring a bit of money in. And so I actually waitressed on minimum wage in the evenings. And this is one of the restaurants that I ended up working with because it was my friend who was opening it up. And um, so I'm hugely emotionally invested in that because I essentially started it up with these guys who just put everything on the line and we built it up from being a 10 table restaurant to being the number one restaurant in London within three months. And then last year we won the best restaurant in the UK. And that was like, you know, something that we're all really, really proud of. And um, one of the owners called me up on that Tuesday and he said, I've had to let 90% of the staff go because we're, you know, we're done. And we actually, you know, it was a really emotional time. So that first week of lockdown, I was trying to help those two businesses with a way to go forward and still keep on staff and still keep on trading, which we did. And it's fantastic. Both are functioning at a lower level as you would expect them to do, but they are both functioning in different capacities. But on that Monday after, so the week after, I emailed every single one of the people that I taught how to meditate. And it was fantastic because some of them, obviously, you know, there were redundancies, there were other things, there were this, there, there were that. Um, but lots of people came back to me and they said, I am so grateful that I know how to meditate because that is what I feel is giving me my sanity and my strength at this moment in time. And that was something that I was grateful for having been able, able to give these people these tools because what meditation in this form does as well is it helps you build up your reserve of adaptation energy. And adaptation energy, a definition of it would be the ability to adapt to the new now or the ability to be able to overcome um, a circumstance which was 
not what you expected. So you are resilient. And so all of these meditators who were emailing me and they were saying, I'm so glad that I've got the practice of meditation, you know, and even a few of them who hadn't been meditating for a while, they were like, this is a time I know that I'm going back to it. But it was fantastic because they all, they all had a tool with which to look after their mental health that they felt fully confident in. And beyond that, they felt that they were supported by me. And then I got called by UK Construction Week and they said, we're going to do a webinar. Are you willing to um, do something to do with mental health? And I said, yeah, sure. And I did a, a meditation thing and I emailed all of my meditators again. And I said, look, guys, I really want to get the word out there about meditation. And all of them got onto their little internal networks and they spread it far and wide from Balfour Beatty to Wilmot Dixon to Morgan Sindel to Kears. And they did so well. And there was such a sense of selflessness with them because, you know, they are so invested in their practice and they're so invested in the meditation community and they've got so much benefit from it. They just want to spread the tool and give people access to something that they ordinarily wouldn't think about. And also bearing in mind that 70% of my clients are from construction, but they are all predominantly male as well. So, you know, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily associate meditation being something that people within construction do. But I'm saying they do. They just need it to be taught by someone who they relate to. Yeah, that makes a big difference. I mean, I find that when I'm working with people as well. I mean, I'm starting to bring in things into my work with clients about like visualization and, you know, talking to them about meditation and they do seem to be open to it. But I think it does make a difference when you know the industry mm. and when you understand it and you understand the pressures that they're going through as well. Um, and I'm just interested to know, we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, like what stories are you hearing right now about, you know, people's well-being in the industry and how the coronavirus, you know, the crisis is, is impacting on people? I mean, I'm a subcontractor through and through, you know, I've got a lot of affinity with subcontractors. I've never worked for a main contractor. I was all, always demolition, RC frame and groundworks. And so, you know, the kind of the trades, like the trades who would get boots on the ground and be messy. Um, so I really have this huge affinity with them. And obviously many of the people that I've taught, they are working in those trades. Many of them are main contractors as well. But last I think it was last week or the week before just before we went into full lockdown you know I'd had other of my clients contact me from non-construction industry and they were saying we're looking at the work from home situation what can you put together in order to help our people working from home and so I was like great yeah fine I'll put together an on online well-being package for them and I'll do a session with them every week and this is what we can do to support them and I was a little bit disheartened because recently when I've been speaking I, as you know, I always throw up this in a diffusion of innovation curve and I ask people, where do you lie on this curve? Are you an early adopter? Are you a laggard? Like, where do you want to be? Do you want to be, you know, pushing the needle, moving the needle, or are you just going to wait to be one of the ones who kind of joins in when everyone else does it? And recently when I've been speaking at events, I've been saying how I feel that construction will be the leaders in good practice of mental health and well-being in all industries because come three to four years ago when we had and still do have the highest levels of suicide in in the industry um, we were doing more than any other industry that I could see so when I would go and speak to Wilmot Dixon I remember in Birmingham last year I was speaking to the guys at lunchtime it was all just mental health first aiders for that kind of that division of Wilmot Dixon and I 
went and did an introduction to meditation talk and then I went and had lunch with some of them and some of them whose partners and wives work for the NHS, they said some of them had never even heard of mental health first aid. And that's ridiculous for us in the construction industry to think about because everyone knows about mental health first aid in construction. And I just felt really proud of the fact that the industry, our industry was really doing leaps and bounds to look after well-being in construction but then over the past week i've been disheartened because one i didn't have construction companies coming to me and saying what can we do in these challenging times to support our staff i did end up getting one call from one client in the construction industry and i understand that's because we were a little bit slower to to move on the lockdown but what i found really upsetting last week was that I was having conversations with people who worked for, with subcontractors and they had said, you know, they had decided to pull off site because they couldn't abide by the social distancing and they were off site for a day. And then they got told by the main contractors, you need to come back tomorrow because you're in breach of contract. And these are the stories that aren't being told. I'm hugely proud of our industry. And there was an email that went out by Nathan Garnett from UK Construction Week yesterday that said, we're doing great things. The fact that we were able to chuck up a hospital at the XL, fantastic. You know, we're keeping buildings going, we're converting things, we're doing so much and we're, so, we're contributing. And that's part of the story that is told that is really inspiring and fantastic. But the other part of the story that's not being told is people who are basically not being forced, but to an extent under duress, going into working conditions that are not abiding by the guidance of Public Health England. Because regardless of what they say you can't keep social distance when you're trying to do things like lay drainage pipe or steel fix or do these kinds of things the trades because they work together you work as a team you work as a gang and the proximity is close and the other thing that i was finding that was very upsetting was you know the contracts managers and the managers on site from the trades would get calls from the main contractors project managers and they'd be saying, where are you on this? Where are you on that? And the reason that they were having to give the phone calls was because they were working from home. So it is that disparity of, okay, yeah, we care about well-being, but how far does your stretch of well-being and the caring about it really go? And I think that, yes, we do need to keep working on the hospitals and on the essential projects, but things like commercial properties and housing estates, you know, are those essential things at this moment in time where you've got people crammed on the underground and whatnot, you know, and I think it's one of those things where that makes me think, are we as far as ahead as I thought we were? And is it still a tick box exercise, which is disheartening at times? I totally understand where you're getting, you know, where you're coming from. Because, I mean, I was talking to one of my clients this morning who's a, a subcontractor and they're sort of being asked to, to carry on. But, you know, they're having difficulty getting the right PPE. They're having difficulty getting materials. And in some instances, it isn't safe for them to continue. And, you know, they're having to really kind of take a step back and look at everything really strategically. Um, and I guess me coaching them is sort of helping them with that process. But if you haven't got any help or you haven't got a tool to help you in that moment, I think there's a lot of fear. And I think, you know, the message I think that we, we are given right now, isn't it? It's about you've got to put well-being first. Mm -hmm. It's not about money. It's about well-being. It, you know, the well-being of the, 
not just your people as a contractor as or consultants or whatever it's about the well-being of the whole industry people seem to like you say they're talking about well-being in times of positive times you know when they've got money to spend on um getting people trained to become mental health first aiders and doing meditation courses and things like that but it's about how do you act when you're in a situation like this isn't it and and does that all go out of the window because you know you you're worrying about money and increased costs and extensions of time and and I, I can see how meditation could help somebody in that moment who's feeling that pressure because if you're in fear and you're feeling pressure and somebody's saying you're in breach of contract you're just making a decision based on that element of fear rather than well am I actually in breach of contract so you know it's um, I think the meditation that you teach can help people just take a step back and just think right well let's just calm the situation let's close these windows down and that let's look at this from a, a lack of emotion from a a practical you know point of view to see what what is really happening here yeah I think it's really important because it's as you say when the times are great you can you can act any which way and be very generous and very um positive but I think what really shows the metal of a character is how do you show up when the times aren't good like that is what we will be judged on you know this is the true test of humanity as in how are we as an industry and just as humans going to show up and what is it that we we can do and are we going to be of service or are we going to be coming from a place of scarcity and fear and you know it's just are you how do you want to be remembered in this time? And I think with the meditation again, you know, it helps you be less reactive and more responsive to things. And I know like for me, I would say, I am so grateful every day that I've got my meditation practice more now than ever, because on that week that we went into lockdown, in essence, you know, my, I go out and I teach meditation, but that is one thing, but obviously I do this stuff for the physiotherapist and, and the restaurant. And if you really look at it, my whole um, stable income for that time was just taken away in a second. But I didn't, my concern wasn't about myself. It was about how can I help people move forward? And when I had time to recover and rest, because I did need time to recover and rest after that first week of trying to help these two businesses stay afloat and try to go on, I took the weekend, I emailed all my meditators and my next thought was, how can I help the construction industry? And I knew that I was going to do UK Construction Week. You had emailed me and it's just saying yes to all the things that I can be of benefit for. But also it's a case of how am I going to show up during this time of crisis to help other people? And for me, yes, it is about teaching meditation to as many people who can and want to learn it because I think that will make a huge difference. And now is the perfect time to be doing it because one of the biggest pushbacks I always get is oh, I just don't have the time. Well, you know what, people, we've all got a lot of time now to be meditating. So that's something that's right out of the window. But the next phone call that I made as soon as I knew that I was doing UK Construction Week was to Lighthouse Club. And I called up Bill um, Hill, who's the chairman of Lighthouse. And I was like, how can I help you? This is what I want to do. Because 
what people don't know now and we are talking about in the news is charities are suffering because and especially with these industry charities often they are getting their funding from events you know people are are selling raffle tickets at events and then there's other things like golfing things and the the concrete society events where they are sponsoring all of that has dried up now so the pipeline of revenue is not there so i called up bill and i was like this is what i want to do i want to get as many people meditating as i can so i'll look after that in that way but i'm going to create a course which i've been talking about for ages and i'm basically going to make it accessible for people who are not necessarily fully committed to learning how to meditate but want to start looking at their well-being 50 percent of that course is going to go straight to lighthouse club and beyond that it will be made free to anyone from construction who has been made redundant but wants to look after their mental health and well-being and free to all nhs and frontline staff i wouldn't be able to be asking these questions of how can i show up as in as a person of service if I didn't have my meditation practice, because I would be stuck in fear about worrying, how am I going to pay my bills? What do I do? How am I going to look after things? You know, I would be in a place of scarcity, but I'm very lucky that my mental health is strong. And I also know I have to look after myself first. And so I took that weekend to make sure that I looked after myself first, because there is the prime opportunity now for me to burn out. But I will not let that happen because you really have to look after yourself first before you can show up for others. And it's not about being selfish. It's being selfish momentarily so that you have the energy and the strength to be a better version of yourself and therefore help lift other people up if they don't have the strength for that. But you really do need to look after yourself first. And that's what I'm telling my meditators as well. Make sure that your practice is regular now because you have got all this adaptation energy that the people around you don't have. So you are going to be a leader and that is what you're going to have to step into. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing that you're doing that and it's so needed. So when will that course be available? I am hoping that it will be in the next two weeks. I'm aiming for one week, but I know me and it will probably be two weeks. And so, you know, it's those kinds of things where I just want people who are, you know, maybe don't necessarily want to do the whole meditation training because the meditation training is a commitment. It's three consecutive days, 90 minutes per day, and you become a self-sufficient meditator and it's fantastic and I advocate it for everyone. But some people want to dip their toe in the water first and I know that I can give them tools to be able to do that. But then it's also thinking about other things. So I, as I said to you, I was speaking to a lady in Rwanda before I got on this podcast and one of my meditators, my meditation graduates had recommended me to her because she wants to learn how to meditate. And so I was doing a Zoom call with her and telling her the benefits, but I understand that we're in a, a time of financial crisis now. So I've looked at what it is that I can offer people who want to meditate. And I've got a sliding scale of, I have not been financially impacted by coronavirus and therefore I will pay the fee plus donate for another person to do the training. Then there's, I can afford this. Then there's, I am significantly impacted by coronavirus and this is what I can afford to pay. And there's a final option that says, I want to do the training, but all of these options are unachievable for me at this moment in time. Please let me know when there is a sponsored space available. So those people who want to commit as well, there is a range, there is a sliding scale from people who want to be altruistic to people who are like, I want to learn this technique, but I just don't have the means at the moment. I'm going to rely on the generosity of others in this moment in time. And so I think there's so many things that we can be doing just as 
a society to help people and that's what you need at the moment community we're going to do some meditation practice you're going to give us a taster but i guess the big question that i want to ask is how can construction show up for its people right now it's really hard because when i was yesterday when i was irate which you know just because you're a meditator doesn't mean that you don't have emotions i'm fiery (laughs) anyway um meditation has probably helped me not not be fiery but express myself in a better way a more productive way um you know if you'd have asked me yesterday or earlier in the week when i found out what subcontractors were being told i'd be like someone needs to just shut it down like shut it down that's what we need to do but i think that we do actually need to go back and and work as a team you know work with the main contractors and the client and say in the long term is this really helping us that we're going to get these slight gains because we're all going to be in delay on the projects anyway. And the supply chain pipeline is going to, it's going to dry up. I know that because, you know, batching plants will be closing. You won't be able to get the things that are going to be imported. It's already slowed down because there's less people actually working in the builders merchants. So realistically it's impacting the program. And if you think about things logically, you probably would have more of a financial gain by shutting the site down and then reopening when you are strong. But I think with the construction industry, there's many things that they can do. I think that there has to be communication between the client and the subcontractor all the way down, like open table, open books. This is how we are going to tackle this. I think that with people like main contractors who are actually taking on the government schemes for employee retention, it's great that you're sending out infographics which i've seen as in you know go outside and get some sunlight and all of this and that's fantastic but you know invest in something for your people what i found the people in the tech industry and financial industry they haven't even batted an eyelid about coming to me and saying what is it that you can do for us because we want to do something on a weekly basis our people are important to us and as i've said i've only had one construction company come to me and say that you know, and I think that we need to really, we need to put our money where our mouth is because we've done a lot of this, these campaigns about it's good to talk and we care about your mental health and well-being, but now's the time to show up. It's not just about chat and posters and infographics. And once a year we have mental health awareness week, you know, it's about what do you do on a day-to-day basis in order to look after your people? Because without them, as we have found, nothing will get done. So, yeah, I think it's a time now we're going to be judged on the way that we we behave. And so let's behave in a way that makes us proud to look back and say, actually, you know what, we did the right thing. And not just from a financial point of view, from like a humanity point of view. I totally agree. Definitely. So should we thinking about that? Should we do some meditation? Absolutely. So, guys. One of the myths, a couple of the myths that we're going to debunk here are you do not have to clear your mind or stop yourself from thinking because that will never, ever happen. Your brain thinks involuntarily like the mind. Oh, sorry. Your brain thinks involuntarily like the heart beats involuntarily. So you will never be able to stop yourself from thinking just like you'll never be able to stop your heart from beating. And that was one of the things that my meditation teacher said to me right at the beginning of my training. And it stuck with me. If you sit down with the objective of stopping your thoughts when you try and meditate, you're going to fail because it will never happen. So let that go straight away. And the other myth is you do not, if you are at home and you're listening to this, you do not need to move and sit on the floor and be cross-legged. Just sit where you are, be really comfortable because the whole point of this is to be comfortable. And um, 
to bring a bit of ease because the nature of the mind is that when the mind starts to calm, then the body will follow. So we're going to de-excite the nervous system. We're going to do a bit of breath work and then I'll give you a bit of a guided visualization. And yeah, hopefully we'll all come out of it a little bit, a little bit happier, maybe a little bit calmer and we'll see. So if you just want to get really comfortable and before we start to kind of close the eyes, let's just slow down the system a little bit and, and get in contact with the body. So I want you to work your way through the senses. So we're going to look around the room and find five things that we can see. So it might be the phone, the computer, the floor, the chair, just using your sense of sight, five things that you can see. And then just closing our eyes, just gently. Moving on to the sense of touch and four things that you can feel against your body. It could be your bum on the chair, your clothes against your skin. Maybe it's really subtle and you can feel the air coming in and out of your nostrils as you're breathing. Just four things that you can feel, bodily sensations. And then moving on to our sense of sound and hearing. Three things that you can hear in the room. It might be my voice. Maybe if you're in the kitchen, it's the buzz of the refrigerator or the freezer. It might be the people in the room next door. Just three things that you can hear. And then moving on to our sense of smell. Seeing if there's a couple of things that you can smell. It might be your deodorant or the fabric conditioner. Maybe you poured a cup of coffee before you start listening to this podcast and you can just smell the coffee. And finally, your sense of taste. So what is it that you can taste in your mouth? Is it that dry bitterness that you kind of have when you haven't drunk or eaten anything in a little while? Maybe you had a cookie and you can taste like the residue of the sweetness from that. Whatever it is that you can taste, just one thing you can taste. And then taking a big inhale in through the nose into the belly into the chest and releasing all the way out. And again, in through the nose, into the belly, into the chest and releasing all the way out. And one last time in through the nose and into the belly, into the chest and releasing all the way out. Now allowing yourself to come to a natural breathing pattern. We're gonna see how the body feels. So just checking in, is there anywhere that's holding tension? Maybe it's in the shoulders. Sometimes it's in the jaw. Sometimes it's in the small muscles around the eyes and in between the eyebrows. If you can, 
bringing some softness to these areas. Now we're going to do some breathing. So we're going to inhale for two and exhale for a count of four. Inhaling for two. Exhaling for a count of four. And just keeping your own pace, inhaling for two. Exhaling for four. We're going to do a few rounds of this. Counting silently to yourself. then very gently allowing yourself to come back to a natural breathing pattern. And before we end our practice, just keeping the eyes closed and maybe thinking about one thing that you're grateful for today. Because the neuroscience shows that even if you can't think of something that you're grateful for, the mere act of just asking the question, what am I grateful for? helps move you towards a more positive outlook. And starting to bring some awareness back to our body, moving the fingers, the toes, the ankles, the wrists, maybe the shoulders, the head from side to side. And when you're ready in your own time, opening your eyes. That was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Definitely feel more relaxed. <laughs> I'm also thinking that I'm grateful that I put my microphone on mute and I couldn't, uh, I didn't get the recordings of the noises that were going on outside. <laughs> <laughs> Which might have been a bit distracting. So if somebody wants to find out more then about meditating, so if they're, they're listening, they've been listening to this podcast and they want to find out more about how they can work with you and how they can find out more about meditation. Um, have you got some information that you can share with us that we can put in the show notes? Yeah, sure. So the best thing to do is to go to my website. So my website link is really easy. It's joanna with a double n hyphen may.com. And on there, you'll have the different options that I offer so far as meditation training. And what I'm doing actually is the corporate classes that I'm offering you you guys can actually feed back to me so if anyone's listening to this podcast please email me and see if this is something that you'd be interested in I was offering um classes to people on a weekly basis different corporates but what I'm actually thinking is about coming up with a structure so on a Monday morning doing a positive intention set for the week on a Wednesday some chair yoga on a Friday a bit of flow yoga 
So I'm offering those to my corporate clients who are investing for their people, but I'm more than happy for other people who are maybe listening to this podcast, if they feel that that would be of benefit to them, then to email me and then I can get them involved with that as well. So that is something that I would like feedback on, please, if anyone would be interested in that. And it's just a case of you taking a bit of time to look after yourself on a day and someone being there to give you a bit of guidance for it. But have you gone to the website? That will be where everything is. And um, I have done a guided experience historically, which is recorded. So if you email me, I'm more than happy to send that out to anyone who emails me. And then they can, you know, have like a seven minute experience that they can just listen to whenever they choose to. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. So it's been brilliant to talk to you today and to get your insights, to have this conversation, which I think is much needed and hopefully will will be helping people, um, you know, when they need it the most and definitely with the resources that you've got. So thank you so much, Joanna, for, for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you haven't ever tried meditation, I would definitely recommend it especially in these difficult times. I try to meditate every day and it makes such a difference to my mindset and my thinking. It's also a great tool in times of stress to take yourself off somewhere and practice some breathing techniques. As Joanna said in the podcast, you can find out more about her online training on her website www.joanna-may.com. You can also email her to get a copy of the seven minute guided experience she talked about. Joanna's email address is on her website. Next week, I'm going to be talking to Richard Threlfall, Global Head of Infrastructure at KPMG and World Economic Forum Council member. We're going to be talking about Richard's recent experiences at Davos, where the annual World Economic Forum conference takes place, the importance of sustainability and how we navigate through this crisis and beyond. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, Please like, rate and subscribe to help others to find it. And if you think it will help others in your network, send it to them too. See you next time.